Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you, if you would like, to turn in your Bibles, if you are able, otherwise listen along, and I will read from John chapter 20, verses 19 and following. John chapter 20, one of the Gospels, again a follower of Christ who records these events, and this time the focus is on the disciples both on Easter evening and then one week later. And Thomas, as we see, one of the disciples isn't there the first week, but he's there the second week, and that will be our focus as we look at moving through doubt to faith. On the evening of that first day of the week, which would be Easter Sunday is what we would call it today, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, who is also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came on that Easter evening. So the other disciples told him, you can imagine how excited they were, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, same words, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, John writes, that you, that we together in all time, in all places, in all ages, in all generations, and all societies, all races, all cultures, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Powerful invitation and challenge as part 
of John's closure to that part of the gospel. Well, I think we can agree that we live in a very skeptical society. Uh, people just don't take things at face value very quickly. And, and that was going on long before COVID. It's just that this last year has added layers to it. And you wonder, do I believe this report? Don't I believe this report? What's happening here? What's happening there? What will happen? And we have all kinds of doubts and questions and anxieties, along with the companions of doubt, fear and hurt, depression, anger. It could be even doubting yourself as to what you're able to do anymore. What is your future? You, you doubt others. Do they really keep their word or are they just saying something to make me feel good and get rid of me? Mistrust has built up where relationships have broken. Dreams have been lost and shattered. And now what? And then there's supposed to be this God out there that really cares when the evidence seems to be there's no God and that he doesn't care at all. And so we have doubts. And doubts upon doubts. Does God care? Do my prayers matter? Does faith matter? And so... Thomas doubted, <laughs> along with so many in the Bible where they openly refer to their questions of God and their anxieties, and yes, their doubts. If you are in doubt of that, read some of the Psalms from the Bible where they talk about that wrestling of the soul, the dark night of the soul, if you will. Where is God? Why do I feel so far from him? Does he love me? Will he forgive me? Does he hold my life in his hand? Or is that just wishful thinking based on old, familiar Sunday school stories? Thomas doubted. And if we're honest, many of us doubt. If not now, in the past, and if not in the past, then in the future. And some maybe are more prone to wrestling with some of these doubts than other people. But all of them have it. All of us have it at some level. And so it is good that God, through his Spirit, has placed this passage along with others. But this passage openly speaks about doubt and how Jesus responds to it and how that gives us guidance through our doubt. It, we can't escape from it entirely. All of our life, it may still nag at us in some way or other, in our life, in our faith. But this gives us hope. This is a story that gives us hope and hopefully reaffirms our faith and strengthens it. And does so in community, because our doubts are never supposed to just be alone, though they often will isolate us so that we feel even more alone. Hopefully our doubts drive us into community with others. So let's talk about Thomas for a moment. 
One of the 12 disciples, nicknamed often Doubting Thomas, which is a shame because when you look at where he shows up in other parts of the Gospels, he is determined to ask questions. He is one who wants to have a reasonable faith. And he also uh, is determined to follow Jesus no matter what, even though he knows Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and the opposition is getting stronger and stronger and his life is being threatened and those associated with him and so Thomas says, well, let's, let's go on with him. We'll probably die with him. But he, he was a committed follower of Christ. A very genuine follower who wanted to understand who Jesus was and what he came to do. And so, imagine, if you will, Thomas having been with Jesus for those three years of his public ministry, seeing so many of these miracles, hearing the teachings seeing the character of Jesus and really the character of God on full display through Jesus. And how he no doubt had his heart warmed and shaped and that there was life in Jesus, there was hope in Jesus. And then comes the death and resurrection. And the death is where he saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw the nails go into his hands. He saw the spear of the soldier go into Jesus' side. He knew he was dead, and with that death, all of his hopes had crashed and shattered. And now he has 10 friends who are trying to convince him, no, no, Jesus is back, and he's alive again. And not even 10 friends could convince him to consider that seriously. If you've had a dream that's been shattered, if you've had a mistrust or a betrayal of trust at a very deep level and inside you are just ripped apart, you are not so quick to believe somebody to say, it's all right, it's all good, here we go again. Uh-uh. You can't just bounce back that fast. You're still broken inside. And so his words are very understandable if you really place yourself in his shoes as one who is broken with the death of Jesus. And he just can't hope there. He just can't go there. And they say he's alive. Well, if, he says, if you say he's alive, I'm not going to believe it until I can see it with my eyes, but even that's not enough. I want to touch it with my hands, my fingers. I want to ask you that you would look at what doubts nag you. What is it that holds you back in believing in God or believing again in God? What has happened to break a trust? What has happened to seed that deep seed of doubt into your mind and into your heart? What keeps you from God? And I want you to name that. It's like Thomas. He, he says, unless this happens, I will not believe. I cannot believe. What would you say before God, honestly? And maybe humbly and maybe just out of anger, wherever you're at. I can't believe this until this happens, God. I hear this story. I want to believe. I used to believe. 
but I can't right now. What holds you back? What's the doubt? Name it. What's the condition that you would ask before God, please meet this condition so that I can believe? One week later, Jesus shows up again. Again, I think locksmiths, sorry, but you're going to be out of business in heaven if this is any reference to what life will be in the new heaven and new earth. Um, people don't need locks. Uh, you just kind of walk right in. Jesus shows up in the midst, miraculously, of course, and he says, peace to everyone. Peace be with you. But he zeroes right in on the one who wasn't there last week, Thomas. And I don't think that he wasted many words with Thomas. He right away said, listen, I heard the condition of your doubt. And I want to come to you at the level of your doubt and say, here is the evidence. You asked to do this. Here I am. See the wounds. See the scars. Touch them. Put your hand upon them. Stop doubting and believe. Nothing is recorded about Jesus criticizing him. Other times in the Bible, Jesus would say, boy, disciples, you know, you are slow to believe. You're just not getting it. How many more miracles? How many more teachings? How long must I put up with you? None of that at this point at all. No criticism, no demeaning of having doubts just simply saying, you asked for this, here I am, will it be enough for you to stop doubting and believe? For me, I would have you look at this part of the story to recognize the heart of love for Jesus for each and every one of us because all of us have certain demands in order to believe, or to believe again, or to believe more, to have a more enriched faith, a more personal walk with God. And if we are honest and bring those before God, Jesus comes to our level of doubt. Without judgment, without criticism, and says, here I am. Let's, let's look at the evidence now, together. Let's move on from being stuck in our doubt, being paralyzed in our faith, being a victim of circumstances. Let's set aside our personal pity parties and it's time to doubt our doubts. It's time to believe. You know, I think it's around age two or three, uh, my wife and I were talking about it because I, I couldn't remember. We have four children. We're blessed by each one. But certain things you kind of, yeah, you remember a general age and then you kind of move on. What's the age when children want to ask the question, why? And inevitably, they're not interested in just asking why once. In fact, they're not really even interested in your answer to the first why. They just want to say why, and then you answer why, and you answer, maybe a little bit later, why. I, I think sometimes um, 
as Jesus works with us all of our life and commits himself to us all of our life, we, we are like children where it's good to ask why. We don't check our brain at the door. The Christian faith is a reasonable faith. God gave you a brain, use it. But there comes a point where you have to stop asking why all the time. Otherwise, your doubts become an excuse to push Jesus away. You hang on to your doubts as a means to say, I don't want to get close to you, and I don't want you to get close to me. I'm afraid of whatever situation that might lead to. There may be a variety of reasons why you're hanging on to questions and doubts to keep Jesus at arm's length. And I would just ask you to say, why continue to do that? Look at the harm that it's doing to your mind, your soul, your being, your relationship with God, a relationship that he desires to have with you today and all of your life. But we can't keep asking why we can't hang on to our doubts endlessly. James, a brother of Jesus, who later followed him in faith and wrote a short book, a lot of it has to do with applying the Christian faith. What does it mean? In James chapter 1, verse 5, and following it says, If any one of you asks, lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Again, the questions, the, the doubt, to name it, to bring him before the Lord openly, honestly. No fault given, no condemnation. But when he asks... He must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person who should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, that person is double-minded, unstable in all he does. We're not talking there about somebody who has a doubt. We're talking about somebody who has developed a lifestyle of doubt. Uh, somebody who has become cynical in all things. That behind every question, every situation, they're always looking for something to doubt and be cynical and pick apart. And that person is forever holding Jesus at arm's length. I believe that what we need here is an honesty for ourselves, as Thomas had that, but also an honesty with others because our doubts many times cannot really be fully and healthily dressed, addressed except with other people. We need, as it were, a spiritual buddy, <laughs> a, a friend, uh, a small group, which I know is challenging in these days, but also a side-by-side -side ministry person, somebody that can really ask us, how are you doing? How are you really doing? talk to me. Where is it easy to see Jesus at work? Where is it hard? Where is it easy for you to experience his love and forgiveness? And, and where do you feel lost? 
Questions that you might not ask somebody else, but a friend, somebody who you learn to trust, who's not going to judge the question or the doubt, not going to think less of you, but simply wants to walk with you and say, in your doubt, lean on me, and I will lean on Jesus, and together we will lean on Jesus. Until the time when you can stand again, when you can pull away from that doubt and hear the voice of Jesus once again. Because Jesus speaks to us. He is one who reveals himself day by day. And he comes to our level of doubt in so many different ways. He speaks in his creation. What beautiful day we are having. And in the time of spring, we're reminded of different parts of Scripture where God cares so much more than, uh, to, of us than the sparrows. And he cares for us day by day far more than the f- uh, flowers of the field. And you think of that level of care that God has for his creation and how that speaks to us, that he cares for us day by day. His word says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Hear the word of God. If you confess your sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. So many words of God to uphold you in your time of question and doubt and loneliness and isolation. Praise God that he comes to our level of doubt so that we can maybe make a decision to step away from those doubts. A time to decide where everything comes to this point of whether or not we will stay where we are at in our doubt, in our faith that seems to just be stagnant and going nowhere, or taking the personal responsibility to step away from that and to decide to step towards Jesus. Thomas as Jesus came to his level of doubt and showed him physically, personally, right in front of him, that Jesus was alive, he rose again. Jesus is trustworthy, his word is true. Thomas's confession was, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. We have to understand what an unusual statement that is to be made by a Jew that to recognize here personally as a statement of faith, as a creed in its so simplistic form, Jesus, you are God. I lay my life before you. You are the center of my life. I worship you. I give my life to you today. However it is, though it be broken, though it be flawed, though it be filled with joy and worship in my heart for you, I I give you my life today. And my Lord, (laughs) very much along the same lines, but with more the idea of surrendering my life as in control of my life, 
to God, to Jesus. We love to have remote controls that, um, you know, control different things that we have in our house. Our phones now become a substitute for that sometimes in different ways. I was going to bring my remote controls along with me as a, as a visual, but then my wife wouldn't be able to watch this service at home, and that wouldn't work very well either. But the remote control, you know, who at your house has the remote? Who's the one who normally has to have the remote? Who is uh, willing to surrender it briefly, but got to have it back? And it's true. I fall into that trap sometimes. Uh, others of family members can identify. But imagine, if you will, there is a part of all of our lives that want to still hang on to the remote when it comes to the control of my life. I may be very willing to say, Jesus, you are God, you are risen from the dead, it's incredible. The Bible says it. I believe you came, you forgave my sin through your death on the cross, and it truly is forgiven because you rose again. I am so glad for that. You are my God. And I hope you can say it with enthusiasm along that same way. But can you say with equal enthusiasm, you are my Lord. I give you authority and control over every part of my life, over every relationship, over every job, over every dream, every hope that I have. I belong to you and I give up my control to you. Because I trust that you will not misuse me or abuse me. You will not lie to me. You will not manipulate me. You will guide me. You will shape me. You will bless me. Sometimes the first part is a lot easier than the second part. And both parts really are a lifelong discovery of what it means to learn to trust in God day by day. And yet that's the journey that we are being invited to walk with Jesus. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is an urgent invitation to respond today. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But embrace the truth of this invitation. Jesus is God. And he invites you to know him now as Lord. Make it personal. Make it your decision. Now I realize that when we talk about faith and we talk about belief, there's really two parts in all of this to this. Knowledge is part of it. I just need to know more, okay? Take the personal responsibility to learn more from other Christians, from God's Word, in prayer. Ask God, will you please show me this? Because my stumbling block is knowledge. I just don't understand. Or it may be that the other part of faith is not just knowledge, but it's trust. 
And when trust is broken in our lives, in other relationships, should it be any surprise that it's hard to trust God? And so again, with honesty and humility before him, saying, I, I want to trust you, but I, I just find trusting others really hard. And he knows your life. He knows why. You're not telling him something new. Oh, really? Didn't know that. On the contrary, whether it's something you need to know or a trust that needs to be built, you can decide today to take the next step towards growing in both. I wish I could tell you that doubts will all go away. It's just a matter of time. You need to get older and more experience, etc., etc. I doubt that that is true. It's not been my experience, nor has it been my experience in talking with other people who have lived longer and endured more challenge in their life than I can imagine. But in our doubt, hold on to what we know more and more to be true. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read these words. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whatever season of life you are in, whether it's a time of joy and celebration or a time of struggle and need, know that you can have confidence to approach the throne of God's grace through Jesus. You can know that today. Believe that. Decide to believe that. In a sense, it's a choice of nevertheless, even though I don't always experience or understand, the more I come to know who Jesus is and his love and his authority and his persistence to never leave me or forsake me, I come to trust him more. And even the things that I don't fully understand, I can live with the mystery of not needing to know the answers to all my questions. And that's when you know you are growing in trust. One of the uh, amazing stories of Jesus is in Mark chapter 9. There's a father who brings his son to the disciples, and he's not well. He, he may have a spirit that agonizes him, an evil spirit. But he's not well. That's the main point. And the disciples, you know, they can't do anything. And so Jesus comes and said, what's all the uh, discussion about here? What's all the hullabaloo? And so uh, the father says, you know, I brought my son to your disciples. And he didn't know what to do. They couldn't help me. But, but if you can, would you please help me? And Jesus says, if you can. All things are possible if you believe. 
And the response of the Father is so much a part of a Christian's life. The Father says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, Jesus could have said, well, that's, that's pretty good, but why don't you come back when you get your belief a little bit more together? And I'll help you later. No, not at all. Again, Jesus does not judge us for our doubts when they come from our heart, our agony. He simply says, be healed. He heals the Son. The Father is amazed and gives thanks to God. But that element where we still, from day to day, will go through seasons where we struggle with our doubts. And we may for the rest of our life till we see Jesus face to face. When all our why questions will be answered or they just won't matter anymore. But for now, in this day, in this time of our life, Know that we can come before God through Jesus Christ as the risen Savior and come authentically with whatever we are facing. Again, a season of joy and celebration and thanksgiving, grateful for all of his blessings and provisions. But also we can pour out our broken hearts before God, our flawed lives, our imperfections, and knowing that he can bring healing and hope, and he can breathe his spirit of life upon us again. There's a song that uh, has become more popular in recent days and years, a song that's entitled You Say by Lauren Dangle. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but either way, I'm going to read just a little bit of the song and you're welcome to look it up as a link on the YouTube, or you can look it up on your own. Again, it's entitled, You Say, Lauren Daigle. The first part of the song says this. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. And then the chorus, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short, and when I don't belong, oh, you say, I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe, what you say of me, I believe. That is the walk of a sincere Christian who is authentic in the struggles that we sometimes face and that you might be facing today. But we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we can believe that we can have life and hope 
and joy again in him. Please join with me in prayer. Lord our God, we marvel at your persistent and amazing love. Sometimes we face situations in life where we just don't know how to pray. We don't know whether you're even listening. We don't know whether it makes any difference at all. Sometimes, even as it is written in your word, we see as in a mirror dimly. But you have made us with a longing to believe, a longing to know the living God. And it is that longing that you have placed in all of our hearts that we are asking for your help to make that longing alive and full so that we may take pleasure and joy in all that you are doing in our life and in our surroundings. We pray for the suffering that we see around us. We pray for our own brokenness that you would forgive us and heal us. But Lord, most of all, we praise you for your determined love and that your promises are trustworthy and true day by day. And that someday we will see you face to face. And we might even still see those scars to remind us of the depth of your love for us. Thank you for your understanding, Lord, of who we are. Thank you for providing us a new life where we can serve you and learn to discover your grace over and over again. Hear our prayers. And even now as we sing this song, we thank you that our future and our life is in your hands. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.